Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. This is Wacky Wednesday. I'm Adam Best, here as always with Richard behind the scenes and the golden voice of Sterling Holmes. Sterling, what's up, brother? Uh, confused, scared, befuddled. These are all words to describe how I'm feeling because this is the first facial hairless show we have ever done together. That's right, man. We both look 12. Yep. Uh, you're beardless. I'm stashless. And uh, I'm scared. I'm scared. Our buddy cop show got uh, canceled. <laughs> it, it, all, it all hinged on the facial hair. So now that we don't have that. But, you know, I said it was I told my wife, if the Chiefs win, win a Super Bowl, it's gone. So well, look at us. Who would have thought? Who but maybe we're making 23 Jump Street, okay? 21 and 22 are already done. You and I can make 23 with our uh, our baby faces. Uh, before we go any further, I want to give a massive shout-out to KC Beer Company. KC Beer Co. is the best beer you will have, brewing their beer with only four ingredients based on the Bavarian Beer Purity Law of 1516. We say it every week, and I'll say it again, you will not have a better beer. Whatever you want, they have a style for you. I love going to the beer hall itself. They're great people. They have great food. The brats, uh, the potato salad, which is my favorite, is just absolutely incredible. If you have a chance to see Casey Beer Co. at your local store out here in Kansas or Missouri, please go grab some. Again, you guys have done a great job making Arrow Red Lager a massive success, as well as making our sponsorship and partnership with Casey Beer Co. a massive success. They talk about all the time how they see such great reaction from you guys, the listeners, the fans, who tag them as well as us when you're drinking their delicious, delicious beer. Casey Beerco, dare to beer different. So we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to grade the roster on the A plus to F scale. Incomplete is also an, an option. Sterling, you and I are going to pretend to be Andy Reid and Brett Veach, and someone just injected our veins with truth serum. Oh, is that truth serum? There's no such thing as truth serum. That's just nonsense from TV. Well, what is it then? It's a little concoction that he's been perfecting since his days with the SIS. It makes you suggestible and highly responsive. Well, dude, that's true serum. No, it's not. No fencing, but they sound like true serum to me. Right? A little true serum. Gotta love Ant-Man. So I think this will serve as a good barometer moving on from the 2022 season and looking ahead to the draft, to free agency, and what the Chiefs need to do this offseason. You ready to dig in? Do it, baby. So let's start on offense. We're an offense-oriented team. No offense to the defense, pun intended. Uh, We'll start at the quarterback position with Patrick Mahomes. Led the league in most statistical categories. One MVP, one Super Bowl MVP. We have no choice but to give this an A++++, right? Easiest thing we'll do all day. Couldn't have been better. The best quarterback in the NFL ending up with the two biggest awards, the Super Bowl MVP and regular season MVP. Mahomes was incredible. But don't forget about about the backup, Chad Henney. Anything is possible. Riding off into the sunset, Bud Light in hand. Should have been a Casey beer, but going 98 yards for a score without Chad Henney. Who knows what happens? A plus, 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 plus for the quarterback room. So Mahomes gets that. You would give Chad Henney an A-plus, too? Oh, dude, how could you not? The only opportunity he had, he shined. He thrived. What more could he have done? 
It was it was phenomenal. He, he did what he was supposed to do. Chad Henney, come on now. Yeah, I, I agree. Ice in his veins. He came in, delivered a, a, a scoring drive, got a lot of help from one Isaiah Pacheco, but he did his job and then some. Uh, and, and you could tell that his teammates weren't rattled at all, that they believe in him. So I'm going to agree with you there. We're not going to give out A pluses very easily. Remember, we're on truth serum. We're brutally honest here. So let's move on to the running back room where we, we, uh, we will get a chance to be brutally honest um, and start with Jarek McKinnon, the journeyman scat back who I think broke the record for most receiving touchdowns, most games with a receiving touchdown in a row. And let's not forget about the work he did in pass protection, where he's an absolute stud. How would you grade McKinnon this year? Let's figure that out. A minus. A minus. I mean, I I almost I wouldn't go higher, but I don't want to be doing that with all these dudes. But the only thing he could have done more was be an every down back. But we knew that's not what his role was going to be going into this season based on his role. What was expected of him? I don't know how much more you could have asked from Jarek McKinnon. He's 30 years old. He's been injury prone in the past and he was healthy, effective and hell. What was it? December player of the month offensively in the NFL. No one had that on their bingo card. Jerick McKinnon, A minus, um, you know, a little slow start, maybe a little um, ups and downs if you want to go with the consistency factor here. But when he was high, the team was high. The Chiefs rode high with Jerick McKinnon. They trusted him. Mahomes trusted him. I'll give Jerick McKinnon an A minus for this season. Yeah, and part of that slow start was because of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the draft capital, everything that's been invested in the high hopes there. And he supplanted him and and not just him, but I'm going to give him a B plus. I'm going to be a little more stingy with the A's, but I think when you're looking at a running back with a quite the injury history, who's sort of been passed around the league, uh, the expectations were low and he exceeded him. So I'm going to give him a B plus. Let's move on to Isaiah Pacheco, the seventh round steal that really looks like the future of the position in Kansas city. That, that's why I went B-plus last time, because you're a seven-round rookie. He said he put his shades on at the Combine last year and said he was going to take a grown man's job, and he did. I'll go B-plus. See, I'm going to give him an A-minus. I'll, I'll give him a B-plus B strictly for the fact that we, we know he was great on the ground, 4.9 yards per carry, uh, seventh-round rookie. I'm thrilled with the production of Isaiah Pacheco, but there were times when he was, I don't want to say a liability, but he's just young. He's a rookie. He's going to struggle at times in pass protection as well as being a receiving threat out of the backfield. Uh, again, nothing against Isaiah Pacheco. Couldn't have done much more, but I'll give him a B-plus just based on that alone. It felt like at times uh, late in the season, they had to use Jerry McKinnon because they did not trust Pacheco in that role. That's going to change next year. Uh, he'll have an entire offseason to get more adapted and antiquated or uh, equated with the offense, Mahomes, the offensive line, knowing where to be. Uh, I expect big things from Isaiah Pacheco. So you're slightly docking him just because his lack of experience shows up in, in the passing game. Sure. Which, which I thought he got going late, but especially in pass protection, he's a little green there. Okay. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This one should be fun. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. A year that started off on the right foot, and then he didn't dress for the Super Bowl, and then he didn't go to the parade. It's it's not, you know, his future. If Isaiah Pacheco is the future of the position in Kansas City, CEH is definitely not. So where do we grade him? Uh, it's tough. I like Clyde Edwards Hilaire as a person. We've had a chance to have him on the podcast. He's a great guy. Uh, very nice. Truth, sir. Remember. I know, but we got to be honest, and I will give him a D. I'll give him a D. Uh, The reason why you can't go lower was he actually was effective early on in the season as much as we like to forget it. Uh, He had six touchdowns, three on the ground, three through the air to start off the year. Everyone was thinking, all right, finally, this is the Clyde Edwards-Alaire that we were waiting for and hoping for. Uh, But then the injury started to pile up again. And what really sealed the deal was that Super Bowl parade. That, for me, was a a pretty big factor. Like, you're not going to celebrate with your team. I understand you did not play in the Super Bowl. I get that. But you were an integral part of this offense early on in the year. Neither did Amir Smith-Marset or Melvin Gordon, right? I, I, just, I just, I found it odd. I found it weird. Again, if he's moving on, he's moving on. I understand that. But you think you would still want to celebrate with your team if you are moving on one last time. Uh, that left a bad taste in my mouth. So I'll give him a, um, I'll go with a D overall for this year. I'm going to flunk him. I, I just think, given that he's a first-round pick and all the chances he it's got. It's cost. Yeah, but but still, he was given every opportunity in the world, and he failed as a player. I know part of that, you chalk that up to injuries, but not only did he fail as a player, I think he failed as a teammate. You know, I don't think McCall Hardman was at the parade, but he's injured. He just had a baby. Uh, he wasn't in New York doing Fashion Week, right? So it's a much different situation. I think at some point Clyde checked out and his, I don't see him being on the team next year. I think this is just kind of uh, it's, it's just gone wrong. And I don't, I don't know that there's any way to get the, uh, the toothpaste back in the tube, so to speak. Hate to give that F Michael Burton. We cannot forget about the fullback. It's wild to me that a lot of teams don't even use a fullback. So just the, the fact that he is on the team and getting some reps is deserving of a somewhat high grade. I'll go with a C just because he was a guy. He didn't play much at all. He played a decent amount on special teams. I like Michael Burton, um, but he was fine. He also got stuffed. Not all his fault. Obviously, a lot of this is based on the offensive line, on those third and ones, those fourth and ones, those short yardage plays. The other team figured out the old Burton up the gut fullback dive. I like Michael Burton, but he, he didn't do enough to get a high grade, didn't do – Enough to get a low grade. He was there. I don't understand to an extent Andy Reid and his 
obsession with fullback because it seems like you could get Blake Bell or a backup tight end to do similar work to what he currently does. Noah Gray, because you're only using him, you know, three, four, five snaps a game pretty much at max. And then also I get the special teams aspect, but is he bringing that much on special teams to where you think you have to have him there? Uh, It's questionable, but obviously it works. Andy Reid won a Super Bowl with fullbacks. He's probably going to keep going with fullbacks. So at some point, I just have to shut my mouth and say, hey, Andy knows way more than me. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's like he he wants this tool in case he needs it, but he never uses it, and it's taking up valuable space in the the toolbox. And I just think maybe – Maybe it's time to move on from the fullback. Also, last year, this would have been a different grade because that third and one, fourth and one worked every time. This year, it stopped working. So the utility of having him on the roster, if he's no longer our short yardage back, uh, drops significantly. So I'm giving him a C2. Uh, You're right. We didn't see enough of him to give him either lower or or higher of a grade there. You ready to move on to the... uh, this will be a fun category, the wideouts. Let's do it. Let's let's start with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. He had the most yards among the receivers. Kind of an up and down first year, but I would say that it was his best year in some time. And I think he was the most dependable wide receiver over the course of the season. And his play in the Super Bowl was just huge down the stretch. Um, so I think I'm going to give him a B. Because early in the season, we saw him have something like back-to-back 100-yard games where he was just a yak monster. It looked like the old Juju was back. And I don't know if it was the concussion that kind of slowed his season down, but he just never quite got his mojo back. I'll go A-. minus. I think Juju Smith-Schuster had a phenomenal year, especially for the price that was paid for him. He signed a one-year $3.76 million contract. Of course, with incentives that got up there, I think it was around $10 million. But think of that. One year, $3.76 million for having a wide receiver one, legitimate wide receiver two, but the most consistent wide receiver on Kansas City, finishing the year with 933 yards. He had a connection with Mahomes that it felt like none of the other wide receivers for the most part had that back shoulder throw. Uh, Judas Smith-Schuster earned himself a lot more money than he was paid this year. I have to go with an A- minus because he outperformed the contract. He was maybe more in line with my expectations of what he was going to do. But that's because I also had very high expectations of Juju in this offense. He was a zone beater when the Eagles took away Travis Kelsey. Juju Smith-Schuster was the guy who could beat the zone. Eagles never got out of zone, so Juju was the dude. Got to give Juju a ton of credit. I will give him an A- minus for this season. The question is, do you grade him based on his contract? Do you grade him based on what he did in the past? He's a tricky one to assess. I am. Someone mentioned uh, Jesus Perez mentioned the uh, the knee, his knee, and Pat said that he was in the training room nonstop before the Super Bowl. And coming out of the AFC Conference Championship, he could barely walk, and it was sort of a small miracle that he even played. I'm worried about that knee. He's a tough guy. I like that he played through it. We'll have lots of interesting discussions about Juju here in the months to come. Let's move on to Marquez Valdez Scantling. I'm going to call him the streakiest player on the roster. So, and he, he can impact a game when he has zero receptions, which is kind of a, a weird thing to say, but he's a lid lifter. He stretches the field, A, 
and he's a very good blocker. So he does do some other things, but he was wildly inconsistent. Is that fair to, to label very him <laughs> as that? Very fair. Uh, so I'm going to give him, he and Mahomes just were not on the same page. I hate to give him, I'm teetering between a C plus and a B minus. Help me make up my mind here. Dude, I'm in the same boat as you. We'll give him a C blah, 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 blah. We'll give him one of those, a C plus B minus. Uh, I'm 100% with you. He's right there in between. You take the contract into consideration, the thought process of him, he was going to be the field stretcher, and he was, but you mentioned he wasn't on the same page as Mahomes. We knew the inconsistencies were going to be there. Expecting him to be a consistent force, uh, game in and game out, was just unrealistic. He never was with Aaron Rodgers. No reason to believe he would be here in Kansas City. But when injuries piled up against the Bengals, what happened? He was the de facto wide receiver one, and he stepped up in a big way. He reminds me a lot of Sammy Watkins, where it's a very nice tool to have. You might be overpaying slightly for what he is, but if you need him to step up, he can be a guy who can step up and make those big plays, which he did. I think MVS a lot of times got a bad reputation. I felt like Chiefs fans were expecting more and more and more from him, but I kept want to point out this, this kind of just is who he is. Uh, some of the things that made me make the grade a little lower, he's not as physical as you'd like for a dude who's 6'4". A play that really stands out to me was the Bills game when in the back of the end zone, Mahomes threw the ball up for him, and he didn't really make a play on the ball. And I'm just sitting here going, you're 6'4", and you're acting 5'10". But I can't complain too much. I think MVS had a fine year. It's weird that he's not a ball winner. He's really not good at all at contested catches. And at his height, he should be. Now, he's not the bulkiest guy. The only thing, I'll propose a question for you. Given that he is the only elite field stretcher on the Chiefs in terms of a threat, do you think he just wasn't asked to do some of these other things? Because when those injuries happened in the Bengals game, and he was asked to do some of the more possession-type stuff, some of the Kadarius McColl orbit motion uh, kind of stuff. He, he, he looked all right doing other roles. So do you think that he's limited out of necessity? Sure, to an extent, because Kadarius Tony was also not fully healthy for the majority of the season, and he was brought in halfway through. McCole Hardman wasn't healthy for the majority of the season. There's your other field stretcher. So MVS was, as you mentioned, that guy. I was a little concerned that Justin Watson started taking a lot of snaps away from him. And you bring up a good point. Maybe he could run every single route in the route tree, but he was tasked to only do this. Good point. But the only question and pushback I would have was that may be true, but about halfway through the year, even with the injuries to Tony and McCall Hardman, it started to be the Justin Watson show. And if Watson was trusted to be the deep threat, they could have used MVS in a different role. and The Chiefs did not. That's a good segue. Let's hit up Justin Watson. I'm going to call him an overachiever who contributed more than any fourth or fifth string wide receiver has any business doing. Uh, given how little he played in Tampa Bay and what the expectations were for him, I have a hard time, and I'm not the biggest Justin Watson guy, but I have a hard time giving him anything below a B. Yeah, that seems about fair. Uh, 315 yards on the season, two touchdowns. Only had 15 receptions, but it felt like more. Uh, Justin Watson was a guy who who really did everything that was asked of him. Special teams, uh, 
in, in a pinch come in the game, be the field stretcher when MVS was out. The drops at times were a concern. Being not on the same page on some deep balls were a concern. But again, if you go into the season as wide receiver five, and this is what you put up, you have to be thrilled with the production. Not only that, when there was some issues on punt return, what happened? Justin Watson, get in the game, don't bleep it up. And what did he do? He didn't bleep it up. You got to give some credit to that. I, I might go more of a C plus B minus range again. Again, the expectations mm-hmm. weren't extremely high for him. But I do think at times we looked through rose-colored glasses at his production because we're like, well, he wasn't supposed to be here, so that drop might not be on him. But at some point you got to be like, you got to catch the rock. I don't care if you're a wide receiver five, the ball hits you in the hands. You got to come down with it. I do want to give a quick shout out to Tyler Helton. Tyler Helton says, I'm a new subscriber. Let's go, Kansas City Chiefs. Can't wait for next season because Mahomes is going to win the Super Bowl again. Welcome, Tyler. Great for you to be here. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, I believe he had uh, Mahomes' longest touchdown pass of the season. Was that the Raiders game? I'm trying to remember. He also had the long one where he scorched J.C. Jackson, who the Chargers spent like $8 zillion in the offseason on and and uh, looks like a complete bust for them so far. So that was fun. Um, let's move on to uh, one of my favorites, Kadarius Tony. When he was healthy, he was a force multiplier out there. He could do so many things. And I'm just going to say it. I do not think the Chiefs win another win, uh, another ring without him. So bold. <laughs> longest punt return in Super Bowl history, huge play, huge game swinging play. I, I think in terms of um, expected win percentage, that was like the second biggest play of the game. Just totally reor- reoriented the game. Uh, but he got hurt in the Bengals game, the AFC championship. He was in and out of the lineup. So as we like to say in the show, Ability is the uh, is the best ability, right? Yeah. Or reliability. Is that what it is? Availability. <laughs> the best ability is availability. Oh, I butchered that. I butchered that. But uh, he gets, we have to dock him a little bit on the health front, right? Yeah, you do. And that's why I'll give him a C. I think he could be an A. I think he could be an A. Ooh. But how many games did he play in? Part of it's not his fault as far as some of the snap count shared when he was healthy, but you could tell the injuries were affecting him. If you can't be out there, the talent's great, but if you're playing six snaps a game when you are healthy, that's an issue. I love Kadarius Tony. He's a game changer. Um, he had some of the best connection with Mahomes on the deep ball of maybe anyone on this roster. We saw him go up and get the rock, unlike MVS at times. But and if just his gloves. But but if you can't stay healthy, it gives me a lot of cause to pause. Um, he didn't play enough for me to give him an A. Obviously, the Super Bowl play was outstanding, but we're not looking at this from a one-play, two-play type of situation. This is a season-long grade. Uh, with that being the case, the injuries sway me so much, I think I'll give him a C, although I do think he has A to A-plus potential. Yeah. He was great in the divisional round as as well. People forget that, but I think he was – he was like the second leading receiver. He got something like seven targets that game. 
Uh, and, and he flashed a, at other moments. He played, he had another good game against the Jags earlier in the year, had uh, one of the best plays of the year, broke somebody's ankles against the Raiders. I can't give him any lower than a B. Maybe I'm just blinded. Uh, he's an Alabama guy, so maybe I'm just blinded <laughs> by my love for the player. But uh, I, I'm going to skew heavily towards did you show up in the playoffs throughout my grading here? Like, you know, and I'm probably going to dock people the least if they struggled earlier in the season. Is that fair. the right kind of thought process you think as we go go through this? That's completely fair. I will not disagree or argue there again. The only reason is keeping me from going higher is the injuries. That's the only reason. But we agree on the potential. Yeah, oh, 100%. So, yeah. Rick Burkholder, this is your number and your staff. This is your number one job. Whatever New York did to him, because he wasn't like this in Florida. He went 20th overall. If he was this big of an... Oh, thank you, Clint. Yeah. Baby face best. Um, yeah. I, I, I think this hamstring thing, I don't know. So remember Sammy Watkins in Buffalo, he was just a terror and then his body fell apart and he got depressed and they weren't, the team wasn't really looking out for his best interests and he kind of wrecked his body and they didn't get him out of there in time. Now, I think something similar happened with Kadarius Tony, where he, that organization just lost Kadarius Tony. And I, I think the injuries were possibly a byproduct of that because he was healthier in Kansas City. And they did instantly reach him, that locker room, that coaching staff. So I think it's, uh, we could even give him an, an incomplete if we want. Sure, I'd probably go incomplete more so with Kadarius Tony the same way I'm going to give an incomplete to Sky Moore. It's not Sky Moore's fault. He didn't get a chance to really show what he could do. If you want to give him a poor grade because of special teams, you can. I'm not going to because I don't think that was all his fault. Sky Moore, when he was on the field as a wide receiver, made some really nice plays, and he was drafted to be a wide receiver. He wasn't drafted to be a punt returner. They put him in a spot that he clearly was not comfortable, but when the game was on the line and he needed to have a big punt return, he stepped up. I just need to see more from Sky Moore. So if we're going to go incomplete, which I think is probably a better one than my C for Tony, I'll, I'll grant you that. I'll probably go incomplete for Sky Moore. But again, I think he gets a lot of work this upcoming season. Yeah, and part of that is, is due to Andy's reluctance to play both these guys a full complement of snaps. But – you love to hear what he said at the combine, which is he expects both of them to have huge roles next year. They're very talented guys. So hopefully we can give both those guys passing grades next year and high passing grades. Uh, it's good to see Sky Moore head into the offseason with some confidence between that punt return and the touchdown on uh, we have corn dog. What was that accidental corn dog? I don't know what we call that other play that was like. Similar, but the wrong version of the formation. Uh, but let's move on to someone who I don't expect to be here next year, and that's McCole Hardman. Started off scorching hot as a red zone weapon, was having his best year, and then the mysterious kind of core injury hit and just robbed his season. And he, he admirably tried to come back in the playoffs and gut it out, and he just wasn't himself. So it's, he's going to be another hard guy degrade 
Yeah, I'll go C minus. The early season success uh, obviously factors into this, but if you can't be healthy, uh, again, not always his fault. I don't know if they even knew exactly what the injury was. They were very – kept everything close to the chest when it came to McCall Hardman. Um, Took some figuring out, and then we figured out it was the core injury. He had surgery. He tried coming back in the playoffs, got hit again, same spot, went down. I feel horrible for McCall Hardman. Dude wanted to be out there. He was trying his his damnedest. And and you feel bad, too, because that probably cost him a lot of money. This was a – I don't want to say make or break season for him, but this was his chance to really get paid. The injury probably loses him multi-million dollars. I mean, that's that's not fun for anyone. You never root for that. So I feel bad for McCole Harden, but I'll give him a C- just based on the injury alone. He, he didn't play enough. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I, I can't give him any lower than that just because he showed a lot of heart coming back and he was very valuable early on in the season. But you just can't give him higher than that. And I, I agree. It was a contract year for him, and he didn't deliver. So, and, and I know injuries aren't always the player's fault, but he's a really slight guy. And I think other, other franchises are going to wonder, can this guy hold up long-term in the NFL? Yeah. That wraps up wide receiver. Let's move on to tight end. Travis Kelsey is going to be another easy grade. Best in the league every year. Rinse, repeat, right? Easy A plus yeah. for me. Yeah, A plus plus, dude. Whatever you want to give him in the A pluses, you can add on, tack on as many pluses as you want, and I'll agree. We have three of those guys who you almost just have to invent a new grade for, yeah. uh, and that we don't really need to talk about. So let's move on to uh, Noah Gray. I thought he showed market improvement as both a receiver, a receiving option, and a blocker, and his playing time reflected that. Uh, He's hard because you want to reward the improvement, but it's not like he set the world on fire. I'll I'll probably go B minus for the reason he played in every single game, played in 17 games, uh, was influential on special teams. Uh, He had almost 300 yards with 299, uh, but he really was a guy that they trusted, trusted, when Kelsey went out of the game to to pick up the slack, uh, they trusted him in the playoffs to be there over um, Blake Bell. That told me something. I, against teams who had elite pass rushers, they said, all right, we trust him enough that we're going to keep him on the roster over Blake Bell. That told me all I needed to know. So uh, for that reason, that's why I'm giving him that grade. That's the way I was leaning to. And he sort of relegated Michael Burton to some extent. And, and another reason I'd give him this good of a grade, and I think we have to consider this for Fortson as well, the Chiefs were devastatingly good out of 12 and 13 uh, personnel. That extended to the Super Bowl. Just teams could not stop. It, it wasn't their, just their running either. It was their passing attack because what would happen would be, oh, the Chiefs are loading up, going jumbo, going 13. We've got to change what we're doing on defense. And then the Chiefs the Chief just pass all over these bigger, you know, these bigger lineups and he was a huge part of that, that success. Uh, so that's a good transition to Jody Fortson, who I didn't think had as good of a season as Noah Gray. And part of that was he wasn't as healthy. But I don't think he does as much as Noah Gray does. Now he's good on special teams. Had a great block in the Super Bowl. 
on that punt return. Never forget that. But I, I, I'm leaning towards maybe a C plus for him. Love seeing him stick around and make the roster. Had a had a few impactful plays early in the season, and then he just kind of faded. Yeah, I'll, I'll go more with the C. The injuries that obviously is a factor. I hate it for Jody Fortson because because you can't necessarily always control injuries, but. It's starting to become an issue with Jody. Uh, we thought he'd be more of a red zone threat. I, I thought he was going to be used there more. Not all his fault, but maybe that t- does say a little something about what the Chiefs' um, offense views him as. He, he made a couple of phenomenal catches that one where Mahomes just threw a – you couldn't even see the ball. I don't know how he caught the ball. I don't know how Mahomes threw the ball there, but that was one of the most incredible catches you will ever witness. I like Jody Fortson a lot. He probably is still going to be on this roster next year. I think they still use him in a similar way. He's just not going to be a guy that gets a lot of opportunity. I think Noah Gray has firmly taken over as a legitimate tight end two, while Jody's sliding back in as a tight end three and more of a specialty guy. All right, let's finish up with um, Blake Bell. I agree with you uh, on all those points. So Blake Bell, between injuries and these other guys emerging, he had a down year and really didn't have much of an impact at all. you noted earlier that he didn't dress in these big games. I got to give him a D and I have to say at this point, it's like, will he even make the roster next year? Uh, I don't think he does make the roster next year. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you with the D uh, he played in three games in the regular season. And then you mentioned the playoffs. Like we were talking about, he was a healthy scratch. I like Blake Bell. Uh, he had a role, but it seems like that role has now been filled. You can't have four tight ends and a fullback, especially when Blake Bell is your blocking tight end with the emergence of Noah Gray as a blocker, as well as Jody Fortson to an extent uh, Blake Bell he was the stopgap. He did a great job as a stopgap. But as Steve Cashman says in the chat, Bell's gone. I, I think you're right. Blake Bell, I believe, is gone. He's going to go somewhere else and run the option for them. I will never forget that Bell Dozer. I have nightmares about that Bell Dozer option on what was it, third and third and two in the playoffs against Buffalo, and they're they're running a speed option with Blake Bell, offensive line. This is maybe the part of the conversation that I'm looking forward forward to the most. And maybe this is the player that I think will be the most fun to discuss today. And that's Orlando Brown Jr. So he starts the season really dicey out of the gate, but then he starts to play well, maybe midway through. And in the playoffs, I thought he was lights out. Was part of that big performance. Uh, I think the strength of that, Philadelphia defense is that defensive line. They're great on the edge with Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick. Uh, he earned himself some money in the playoffs. I'm going to give him, you have to dock him a little bit for that start. So I'm going to give him a B minus and, and giving him that grade. I think a lot of Chiefs fans might scratch their head, but when you look around the league and you see the state of tackle play, left tackle play for a lot of teams that just have to suffer through subpar tackle play and their quarterbacks just get the shit kicked out of them because of it. That's not really happening in Kansas city. Now, part of that is Pat, but Orlando Brown, I think, uh, stepped up when we needed him to. I'll go and say a B. I I think a lot of it was clouded by the early season, uh, judgment 
uh, of Orlando Brown Jr. He also had a horrendous game against the Bengals early on, uh, the game when Joe Tooney was out. But I do think he stepped up in the playoffs. The one half of football you can dock him for in the playoffs was the Jacksonville Jaguars game. That first half was brutal. But after that, he really stepped up. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr., if there was not all the talk about the contract, I think Chiefs fans would probably view him through a different lens. Obviously, that happened, but... I think Joe Tooney exceeded my expectations. If you look at PFF, I don't think PFF is the end-all, be-all by any means. We know here in Kansas City, we're not the biggest fans of how PFF grades a lot of times, especially in regards to quarterback. But they do a pretty good job elsewhere outside of QB. And they had Orlando Run Jr. ranked fairly high. And if you want to do a contract from this year, looking at over the cap, he was the 10th highest paid left tackle in football. I think he played better than number 10 left tackle in football. By the end of the year, I would probably slot him in six to seven to eight. And I did not think he was going to be that guy. He was that guy. So the improvement, all things considered, I'll give Orlando Brown Jr. a B for this season. And we're so focused on the pass blocking because we think of him as the blind side protector for Patrick Mahomes. He's the highest paid. Well, he wasn't the highest paid offensive lineman that would would have been Tooney but he will be the the highest paid we can't forget about what he does in the run game he was very very good in the Super Bowl just mauling people uh and I think that's one of his strong points Andrew Wiley so he had an even worse start gave up a ton of uh, pressures but then I think he found his groove and you have to remember if Andrew Wiley is the weak link on your, on your offensive line, that's pretty good compared to most of the league. He's a right tackle. He's our fifth best offensive lineman. Oh, C plus maybe just because he had, especially considering he had the game of his life against Hassan Reddick. Dude, I, I would go easy B maybe B plus for Andrew Wiley. And here's why I know folks are, are going to be yelling at me saying, why, why, why the pressure, pressure, pressure. Well, the reason why the pressure numbers were so high was because the chiefs dropped back and passed more than any other team in the NFL. You get to look at the pressure percentages. Uh, also with Andrew Wiley, guess what he was paid two and a half million, one year, two and a half million. That might be the best bargain in the entire NFL. What happens if Andrew Wiley did not play last year? What happens if he was a disaster? Do you think they trust Lucas Niang? Do you think they they trust Kennard? Obviously, they don't. Lucas Niang, or not Lucas Niang, Andrew Wiley was not supposed to be the starter going into this year, but by necessity, he was. And yeah, you you're right. He, he started off slow, and at times he got he got beat. But no one expected Andrew Wiley to be an absolute workhorse at right tackle. No one expected him to be a superstar. No one was saying, "Oh yeah, all pro Andrew Wiley." I get it. But Andrew Wiley really had a nice year, and he caught the ire of a lot of Chiefs fans. And for some reason, they expected him to be the best RT in football. He's going to get paid somewhere. He's going to get paid seven plus million a year, guaranteed. I would, I would take that to the bank. He's not going to be in here here in Kansas City. He's not whoa, made whoa, a. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, th- you think there's no chance? I, I would be very, very surprised. Wow. I don't think the Chiefs pay that Andrew Wiley that much money. I think he'll the Chiefs will get outbid. And for Andrew Wiley, I would love to have him here in Kansas City, especially because of the versatility he presents here. But some team's going to pay him a lot. And for his own best interests, he's not made a lot of money here in Kansas City. He just has no. not. 
he's going to probably take that one large contract or decent contract. Cam Irving, for example, signed a two-year, $10 million contract. We know what Cam Irving was here in Kansas City. He got that while he's getting well over that to start on a team. Um, Andrew Wiley, man, hats off to you for stepping up. Everyone ripped on him all season long, and I thought that was uh, pretty crazy in my mind. Well, Pat really likes both these guys. They were both in Vegas with him last weekend. I mean, he seems really tight with Orlando Brown. So that's something to consider. Uh, Another thing to consider here is continuity. The Chiefs had the entire line for most of the year. I know Tooney missed, what, a couple games? But that continuity, it would be really great when you have one of the better offensive lines in the league protecting the best quarterback to bring the same five guys back. I would put a premium on that. Uh, I do prioritize Orlando Brown Jr. over Andrew Wiley, but I'd like to see him both back. Let's move on to Joe Tooney, the uh, the polite Terminator. Other than those two games he missed, I mean, he was just quietly dominant all season long. Just the last person really you have to think about or worry about almost on the roster. He just shows up and quietly does his thing. Uh, I have a hard time giving him anything but an A. Yeah, I, I'm only going to have three A pluses, and I've already handed out two. Uh, so I will actually give Joe Tooney an A minus. Who, who's the third? Uh, I'll give him an A minus because of the missed time. That's it. That's the only reason why okay. we we saw what happened, and he played through what, a broken hand for a game. Like, dudes, offensive linemen are psychopaths, right? NFL players, they're already next level crazy, and then you get to offensive linemen, dudes who play through broken hands. Lane Johnson played through like a torn groin. I mean, these guys are just yeah. unreal. Joe Tooney obviously was uh, instrumental on this offensive line, and we saw what happened to Orlando Brown Jr. when he was out. It was noticeable. So I'll give him an A minus only because of the missed time. Yeah. You wouldn't know he's such a maniac from his demeanor. I mean, he's just the most unassuming guy, but he gets after it. Speaking of demeanor, uh, next up is Trey Smith, the other guard. Something was kind of off early, but I think he unleashed the beast as the season went on and looked like his old self. And uh, his mean streak gives the entire unit an edge. It kind of, he's kind of helped them forge an identity. And I want to keep that under consideration here. Uh, I'm going to give Trey a B plus. Agreed, man. B plus was perfect. It all stems from his performance as this season went on. Early on, we were all sitting here wondering what is wrong with Trey Smith. You know, there were always these injury rumblings coming out. Uh, eventually the bye week happened after the bye he was nails. He was back to the same Trey Smith that we always expected from at least the previous season. Uh, you're right. He was a domination, a dominating factor on the offensive line, especially in the run game. Trey Smith was serving pancakes left and right. As Trish says, Trey Smith, the king of pancakes. I think B plus is perfect for Trey Smith. Uh, Creed Humphrey, I'm going to go ahead and say it. He was an A. He was an A. Him, Jason Kelsey, the two best centers in the NFL. I wanted to give him an A-plus, but I only wanted to give up three A-pluses. I wanted to give up two to Kelsey and Mahomes. I wanted to keep those three. So I will give Creed Humphrey an A, although if you wanted to give him an A-plus, I would not disagree. No, I'd consider it, but you have to kind of grade on, on the curve and have to kind of consider the entire roster. And I think there are three guys that deserve that designation above all others. So I, I hate not giving him uh, an A plus because I think he's he's like teetering on that. 
no pressures allowed in the Super Bowl. I mean, he, he, he really never allows any pressures. If I had to guess what he allowed in the season, what, five, six, maybe all year long. Uh, just a great player, great personality, easy guy to root for. Uh, I'm really hoping we're kind of already thinking ahead because he's only he's halfway through his contract. So I'm hoping he's a chief for a long, long time. Let's uh, two comments on. I want to really quickly. Two yeah, comments yeah, yeah. I want to get to very quickly. Steve Cashman says, as the season went on, uh, is a common theme because the schedule was much easier. Uh, I apologize, Steve. I keep saying as the season went on. Thank you for catching me on that one. But you're right. The season did get easier as the season progressed. Although I do want to point out, the playoffs weren't easy. That's the one caveat. The player, the playoffs were not easy. And you look at a lot of these guys like Orlando Brown Jr., uh, Trey Smith. Um, they performed on the biggest stage. And I do think there's something to your point of the schedule got easier later on for Kansas city. I would agree there, but I think a lot of that was also a health factor with Orlando Brown jr. Or at least the contract issue as well as Trey Smith. I think part of it was uh, a lot of these guys were new. Yep. A lot of these dudes were new, like Judas Smith Schuster, MVS, uh, Kadarius Tony, right? Like there was a lot of Isaiah Pacheco, a lot of new pieces, and I think it took time for them to gel. And that's why I also wanted to point out as the season went on. But I do apologize for saying that a lot. I'm sure uh, if you took a shot for every time I said it, you would be uh, you'd be hammered right now. Uh, Stephen Beal has a super chat. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate it. Uh, second or third round right tackle draft. Brown deal done. Jones signed long-term extension. Clark rework or extended. Signed Juju. Add another wide receiver draft. DT edge and linebacker depth. Sounds pretty good to me. I, I wouldn't complain. The one thing I will say about right tackle is they've already tried to uh, establish some guys there with Lucas Niang and Darren Kennard. Uh, I, I like those two guys, but I would prefer them to bring in a veteran instead of a rookie because I think they keep both those dudes still on the roster. So I'd like to see a veteran. I think Wiley prices himself out of Kansas City. I would like to see an Orlando Brown Jr. deal get done. The number I have off the top of my dome is five-year, $110 million, uh, with about $70 million guaranteed. The guarantees were the holdup last year, not the contract itself, but the guarantees. Uh, Chris Jones, yep, sign me up. Clark rework, I think that's going to be the plan. Hearing, you know, Brett Veach and Andy Reid sounds like they want to see Frank Clark here. We know he's not staying in the current contract, cap hit of over $20 million. That ain't going to fly. So I think he gets reworked. Uh, sign Juju. I think, he did, I think the Chiefs do. Uh, I have no qualms with what you said, Stephen. Appreciate the super chat, man. Yeah, we appreciate that. Lucas Niang. You know, we hardly know thee, right? I, I can't give him anything but an incomplete. And you have to wonder if that's just going to be his career, if he's never going to gonna click, never going to get fully healthy, never going to realize his potential. Just maybe a young career that has been completely sidetracked by injuries. Are you an incomplete on him as well? 100%. Incomplete for him, and I might even do an incomplete for Nick Allegretti. Uh, Nick Allegretti was the last guy on the offensive line we were going to talk about. I like Allegretti, and he stepped up in a big way uh, against the L.A. Rams going up against Aaron Donald. He did a very nice job, held his own. I like Allegretti. I like the versatility he brings to this roster, the ability to play center as well as guard. There was a reason why the Chiefs chose him over Austin Ryder over uh, Austin Blythe even. Remember, they signed Austin Blythe, right. didn't even play a game because of the versatility and the nasty streak that Allegretti uh, possesses. We saw that nasty streak up against Aaron Donald. Incomplete, but if we're going to give him a grade for that game, that one game alone was an A, baby. 
no big boy touchdowns this year, I don't believe, but uh, that's been a wrinkle of his game in the past. Let's hit the defense now, maybe a little bit more quickly. Chris Jones, starting with the defensive line and Chris Jones, AFC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I thought he was the Defensive Player of the Year, period. If you dig into how often he's doubled and that he had the second most pass rush wins in the league, only behind Micah Parsons, which is just sort of unreal given how, like I said, how often he's doubled in the position he plays. And then he comes in, and I, and I think he's the reason they went to the Super Bowl. He kind of single-handedly put the team on his back when Patrick wasn't quite himself in the, uh, in the AFC Conference Championship game. Easy A+. Plus. Easy A plus. He was the closer in games. Yep. They called him in. He was the closer. How many games ended with quarterbacks on their back because he was the deciding factor multiple. And that's crazy to think about for a guy who, like you mentioned, garners that much attention. Very quickly, Stephen Beal says, I thought Kennard was moved to guard. He was during the season. I think they were trying to give him some versatility, some options there. Uh, but I don't know if it was a permanent move. They never really were clear about if it was a permanent move or if it was a case of let's get Kennard some versatility, see how he performs at right guard. But good point. Uh, I will also bring up a great super chat from Clint. Clint, dude, you are the man. Thank you so much for the super chat. Really appreciate it. He says, sorry for the random question, but Sterling, TaylorMade, Callaway, Ping, or other. Uh, I'll go Callaway driver. Titleist AP2 irons that I've had for 11 years. Absolutely love those bad boys. Uh, Callaway Jaws wedges, and then a 15-year-old Odyssey two-ball putter that I've had forever. I just love the way it feels. So that, that, that's the old golf setup right there. You could be speaking Mandarin. I have no clue what's going on right now. Uh, <laughs> let's hit Derek Naughty. I mean, you just kind of have to shrug. He's a serviceable run stuffer. What else can you say about him? He does his job. He doesn't, you know, blow you away. He's not DJ Reader or, or, or you know, one of these nose tackles who actually uh, garners a little bit more attention. D-plus for me. Uh, he was one of the few guys I was actually disappointed in. I, I was really high on Derek Nottie heading into this season. I like Derek Nottie, but – he, he really couldn't keep a, a stranglehold on his starting spot. There's a reason why they started turning towards guys like Brandon, St- uh, not Brandon Staley, <laughs> Brandon Williams, the former Ravens uh, defensive, uh, defensive tackle. Uh, there was a reason. Derek Nottie wasn't necessarily getting the job done. There's a reason why we saw more Colin Saunders. I think we would have saw more Turk Wharton, but he got injured, right? Derek Nottie was one of the few guys who I had higher expectations for, and he didn't exceed them. Maybe that's on me. Maybe I had too high of expectations, but because I had those, I would say he was a D-plus in my mind. I can't disagree. I thought it was a down year for him. I just don't think he's a necessary component of this roster moving forward. Thank you for your service, Derek. We saw you. We saw the team win uh, two Super Bowls with you here, but he's, he's replaceable. He's a replaceable guy. A little bit of a tougher decision will be Colin Saunders – who finally started to show why he was a third-round pick. I thought he flashed at times. Maybe the consistency was lacking, but, I mean, the athletic ability is just tantalizing. His closing speed for a defensive tackle is just insane. That play he made in the Super Bowl where uh, it was technically a sack, 
and he just chased Jalen Hurts out of bounds, which is probably even harder to, to do than it looks. Uh, but I just didn't quite see enough. I can't give him an A. I don't. Even, I'm not even sure I can give him a B. Maybe a B minus. That's where I'm at is a B minus the upside and these splashy plays. They stand out, but the overall body of work, you just are left wanting a little bit more, especially on the consistency side. Maybe we'll see it this upcoming season. I, I do think if you're going to bring back either Turk Warden, Colin Saunders or Derek Naughty, Saunders is at the top of the list. I would love to see Saunders back here in a Chiefs uniform, but based on on consistency, I have to give him a B minus, even though those top end plays are just unreal. He's kind of got that Devin White thing where he's he flashes so much at times, and he's such an athlete that that it, it's hard not to overgrade those moments and and concentrate on the the lack of consistency, which I think is still a problem for him. And even in the past, even getting on the field has been a problem. So I'm not sure we're going to see him back. But I do agree if it's him versus Turk Wharton, who let's move on to, I'm going to give him an incomplete because of the season-ending injury. But I thought he was terrific at the start of the season. I thought he was really rushing the passer well. You could see his win rate was – now, he didn't play at, at just a ton of snaps, but it was one of the highest win rates for interior defensive linemen in the league. I think he had uh, he had just a, a great a start, showed a ton of potential – I'm a big fan of his, but, you know, can we really bring him back on the heels of that injury? Yeah, that's going to be a tough decision. But, yeah, I'm with you with an incomplete. Going to Frank Clark, I'd probably give him a B-minus to a C-plus. I, I like what Frank Clark did this year. He obviously looked better uh, losing some of that weight. But when you look at the amount of snaps he received and then you look at some of the counting stats, which, again, counting stats are a uh, – Fairly poor way of going about this, but I just have it pulled up. He only had five sacks. And Matt Connor had the numbers of, I believe he played in 69% of the snaps overall. Wow. That's not enough. It's just not enough. He flashes in the playoffs. I want him back to the playoffs. I hope they rework his contract. But from the overall body of work from this year, you're probably sitting at about a C plus. Yeah. I might bump that up to a B minus just because of the leadership role. He provides this team. I mean, you it's hard to see something like that that's you know that intangible, but just the way both his teammates, the front office and the coaching staff talk about him, you can see what he means to this roster, to this franchise. Uh, so I'm going to give him a B minus, especially considering that his pay was down, he, he he restructured, and he came into this year no longer Frank Clark, the superstar. Or, or expected superstar, but Frank Clark, above average role role player, part of a uh, defensive end rotation. I thought he filled that role pretty well. He's uh, better than average against the run, too. That's another factor to consider here. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to Carlos Dunlap, I will give him a B. Uh, didn't play a ton, but the snaps he played in, he was a factor for sacks, but he was so good batting the ball down. I think George Karloftis learned a lot from Carlos Dunlap. By the way, Carlos Dunlap was only on a one-year $3 million contract, so I think he outperformed what he was uh, what he was expected to do. Yeah. 
Bon Voyage. You know, I, I think he's probably on his way out, similar to how Melvin Ingram was last year. You can find these guys, right? Especially when you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you now have uh, two rings in four years. You're going to have edges, aging edges, who want to come and chase rings in Kansas City. So I would not overpay for Carlos Dunlap if he wants to play at that in that same ballpark rate again. I I definitely consider it. I thought he was fantastic in, in limited action. Uh, I'm going to give him a solid B. Now, George Karloftis is going to be a little tougher to grade. He's a first-round pick, so expectations are high. I wasn't super thrilled at the start, but the pressures looked better. He wasn't getting sacks, but his pressures looked better than, than the sack numbers did, right? You talked about the counting stats earlier, and I thought he did a good job uh, applying pressure. Uh, and, then, and then he got hot, you know, as, as the weather got cold, right? He, uh, what do you have, like a sack six games in a row? Didn't really splash in the playoffs so much. I think he had a moment against the Bengals. Didn't he get a sack against the Bengals? Technically, yeah. Technically, yeah, I'll give him an A minus. I think George Karloff has really progressed as the season went on. Uh, he again, sorry about that. As the season went on, I know I caught myself, but he did, which is to be expected of a rookie, especially at edge. If you saw other guys like Aiden Hutchinson, uh, like Kayvon Thibodeau, other highly touted, highly drafted defensive edges, they struggled early on and then performed well. Karloffis was no different. And by the way, what makes him an A- minus for me, they needed him to start game one, week one, and he was able to. Think how thin the Chiefs would be at edge without Karloftis. He was a major factor. He played like a veteran. Uh, you got to give him a ton of credit. And again, like Dunlap with the batted balls, George Karswatis had a lot of batted balls as well. Uh, also, again, uh, shout out to Steven for the super chat. He said, BJ uh, is probably the third best DN and he can drop to us. Uh, if you're talking about the guy, the edge rusher from LSU. Um, Ojari? Yeah, Ojolari. Gosh, I butchered that last name. That's so difficult. But yes, if he fell to Kansas City, uh, I would be very intrigued. The, the other reason, I'm going to give him an A-2. And it's because if you look at Trayvon Walker in Jacksonville, if you look at Jermaine Johnson for the Jets, Karloftis outplayed these guys. He outplayed, he didn't outplay Thibodeau. He didn't outplay uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Those guys are, are, are budding superstars. But I think there's a case that he outplayed every other edge that was picked in the first round. And you have to, you have to kind of reward him for that. Another guy I think we should reward is Mike Dana. Probably the most underrated, overachieving player in the team. I love this guy. So much heart. Uh, just plays, gives it everything he has on every single down. I, I really want to give him an A or an A minus. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, dude. His versatility at edge as well as being the D tackle in the NASCAR package. Uh, the fact that he was a fifth round draft pick in my dumbass thought, what the hell are you doing? Draft him in the fifth round. He was projected to be undrafted. What are you doing, Kansas City? And they proved me wrong. And by the way, Mike Dana is the reason why I'm off drafting dudes with high potential. I'm sick of it. Give me a dude who can play. Give me a dude who can perform. Because I'm tired of Tano Passanio. I'm tired of Joshua Kando. I'm tired of Breland Speaks. Give me the dude who can play. Michael Dana can play. I get it. The upside's not as high. 
But because of Mike Dana, that was the reason why I wanted the Chiefs to draft George Karloftis. I was tired of hearing, oh, Boye Mafe or all these guys who, what could they be? We know what they could be. They could be busts. Give me a guy with a floor. Mike Dana has a floor. And by the way, that ceiling looks a lot higher than the majority of people thought. So Mike Dana, here's for proving me wrong and proving to me that I like guys with a higher floor rather than a dude with all the potential in the world. Yeah, we get so intrigued by these bendy edges, but motor, durability, uh, effort, these guys, both these guys, they play as hard as possible every single play. And there's something to be said for that. Speaking of playing hard, uh, linebackers now, Nick Bolton. It's hard for me. I mean, here's another guy that you just want to go off the Super Bowl and say, uh, give him an A+. I, I don't think his season, the consistency was there to warrant that. But he was the leader. He was the green dot. He wasn't without blips, but I think he set the tone and just one of the best run stoppers in the league. And, and the improvement was there in coverage. It wasn't dramatic, but I think you're seeing some signs that he is eventually going to be a complete linebacker. I'll give him a B. I want to go higher, but I can't. I, just even with the improvement in pass coverage, he was still taking advantage of. Uh, mm-hmm. Late in the year, we saw tight ends go up against him in slots, and, and and he was getting beat. I like Nick Bolton a lot, M-I-Z, brother. But I love that fact he gave an M-I-Z shout-out. Uh, you know, at the Super Bowl parade, that was cool to see. Uh, he's progressing nicely. I like Nick Bolton a lot, but this year was a solid B. Nothing to hang, nothing to, to be sad about. A B is very, very good. Yeah, I'm going to give B him a B, for, a B plus. A B for Bolton. <laughs> I'm going to give him a B plus because he finished so strong. Uh, just a great kid. I don't know if you saw this, but after the game, he wasn't granting any, any, uh, any interviews because he had to go find his mother and share that moment with him. Just just a great kid. Love him so much. Willie Gay served a suspension, was even more up and down than, than Bolton. Now, he doesn't have the same issues. Sometimes Bolton, whether it's even Joe Burrow juking him in space or, or getting coverage, Willie Gay is is such an athlete that he doesn't have those deficiencies, but he also doesn't have Nick Bolton's brain. Nick Bolton's nose for the ball. Uh, I'm thinking B minus with the promise for him to have a better grade next year. Yeah, I would actually give Willie Gay Jr. a C minus. He was one of the few guys, like I mentioned, with Derek Naughty, I had higher hopes for in didn't live up to what I was hoping he was going to become. Um, Willie Gay Jr., I, I thought at times he he looked like a legitimate top-of-the-line linebacker, but at times he looked like he can't be out there on the field. I know folks were clamoring for him to be out there on third down because of the athleticism, but he looked lost. He did. I think the offseason is going to help him. Uh, he missed four games this year, which for a guy who's missed a lot of games already in his NFL career, as well as in college, that's not ideal. But again, uh, he's one of those guys who I mentioned earlier that the potential is there, but at some point I need to see more. I need to see more consistency from him. I like Willie Gay Jr. a lot, not giving up on him. I think he's going to be a starter for a long time alongside uh, Nick Bolton here. I think they have their linebackers figured out. But uh, this year, I have to give him a C- minus because I was expecting more from him. Uh, I will give an incomplete to Darius Harris and Leo Chanel. I will give a B- minus to. Leo Chanel, I think okay. the, 
a nice job at times. Again, he flashed. Uh, I'm giving him a B minus because he looked lost at times as well, which is not to be um, not to be surprising considering he was a rookie. I would like to see him grow more, especially in pass coverage. Uh, the reason why I gave him a B minus and Willie Gate Jr. a C minus is Willie Gate Jr. has been in the league long enough now. I thought he'd have those progressions. Leo Chanel has not had the opportunity yet. Yeah. I think my truth serum is wearing off or something because you're being a lot more harsher on this linebacker room than I am, perhaps correctly. So I'm going to dock Willie Gay and give him a C plus because of his, uh, I mean, that suspension was his fault, right? So the way you conduct your, yourself is part of the equation. And I do think Leo acclimated pretty quickly. Uh, he was sort of a disaster in times in the open field and in coverage, but he actually did okay on Dallas Goddard. If you remember that play where he got mossed, it's just like, what are you going to do? He, had, he was right on him with his, with his hand up and, and, you know, that's just a, a star player making a play. Uh, Darius Harris, eh, he's just a body. I'll give him a D. I'm not going to give him an incomplete because he, you know, at, at his age, it's not like he's going to get any better. Just a guy. So let's move on to the secondary and start with cornerbacks. LeJarius Sneed, one of my favorite players. Uh, if we were just grading him on coverage, where I think he's top 15-ish, I probably wouldn't give him this high of a grade. But when you factor in just how damn versatile he is, where he can almost be a box safety or a linebacker, he can play in the slot, he can shadow DK Metcalf. I mean, how many guys can even shadow a, a DK Metcalf, a, a 6'4 bodybuilder. I'm going to give him an A minus. I just think he is so crucial to this roster, to what Steve Spagnolo can do out there from a, a scheme perspective. Uh, I know there's been some chatter about potentially trading him. I would not recommend that. I think he is is going to be more hard to replace than these other than these other players because of that versatility. Uh, I, I will go a, I think, I think he was an a in my book because of the versatility, because of the fact he was able to play in 17 games this year. I know he missed uh, one game, at least one out in the playoffs and the young guys stepped up, but uh, Legereus need is just such a chess piece. I uh, love what he did here in Kansas city this year. Uh, Got to give him an a, I mean, again, if you're able to play slot outside blitz one-on-one against DK Metcalf being that type of dude, you get an a in my book. <laughs> Yeah, and the reason he was out in that Bengals game is he just came out hitting. He just stroked a dude and, and basically knocked himself out. Trip McDuffie, not a finished product, but if you squint and look towards the future, you can see a great player. Now, I know he, had the, uh, he gave up the huge play against A.J. Brown, but that's A.J. Brown, right? That's forgivable. He was in position originally and just didn't track the ball right. I'm not going to penalize him too much for that. Now, I, I can't give him a super high grade because he missed a lot of the season. So I'm kind of torn between a B minus and an incomplete. Same boat as you. B yeah. minus and incomplete. But I will say the other two rookies – Jalen Watts and Joshua Williams, I would both give B pluses to. You might yeah. be saying, why are they such high grades? Look at where they were drafted. Look no at kidding. what they were tasked to do. 
they were they were not just rookies like Trent McDuffie, but unheralded rookies. They were raw. No one expected them to do anything. Steve Spagnolo going into this year was like, come on, please give me a veteran. Give me someone back here. They even traded away Rashad Fenton, your safety net. That's how much faith they had in these guys. Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson. I love seeing their progression. I can't wait to see what their, their future holds. I don't know if their success makes moving on or trading Legereus Sneed more or less of a possibility, but you have to have some sort of comfortability knowing you can draft and, and get these guys who are unheralded from small schools in the fourth round and the seventh round. Doesn't matter. And you can turn them into legitimate starting corners. That's impressive. Give them all the credit in the world. And by the way, they enjoyed tackling. That was huge. Well, Jalen Watson also enjoyed the parade a, a, a little too much, actually. Um, but the front office told you what they thought about these kids when they moved Rashad Fenton in season. It took a lot of faith in Watson and Williams and, and McDuffie too to, to thin the cornerback uh, room out like that. I'm going to give Jalen Watson an A minus just because he had a penchant for coming up clutch. I think he was top three in, in, in press coverage snaps played in the entire league. And I thought Josh Williams got, uh, Joshua Williams got picked on a little bit more in that game. We lost to Cincinnati. Who did they target at the end there with T Higgins? It was him. Uh, but the, the job they did, I thought we were done in the AFC championship when, when LeJay Sneed went out and they hung in there against, against uh, Higgins and chase. So I'm going to give Watson an a minus Williams, a, um, a B plus let's move on to the safeties. Start with Juan Thornhill. Uh, other than maybe Derek Nottie, perhaps the worst starter on defense, but he he did step up a bit in in the playoffs. But even then, a bit up and down. I think that AJ Brown touchdown, that long bomb, that that McDuffie kind of gets blamed for. That was on him too. And and he had a a bit of a missed tackle problem. Some, some issues in coverage, just he's never been the same player after that, that, um, that ACL injury. You hate yeah. to say it, but he just has never been the same guy. Yeah, I'll give him a C. I think he was average. Uh, he, he might have been the weak link defensively, but it wasn't that weak of a link. I, I think he was, was a fine player. I don't think he was a hindrance by any means. The safety play was better this year than it was in, at least last year. Uh, with Tyron Matthew and, and, and Daniel Sorensen. Um, I'll give Juan Thornhill a C. Uh, he, he was fine. I'm giving him a D plus. I, I know I'm kind of a harsh critic that, of him, but I, I, every game I just, especially when I rewatch or I watch all 22, I just always see issues with him. Just wildly inconsistent. Uh, Justin Reed. So it took him a while to get acclimated. But I thought he was solid once he did. And I kind of see him as a glue guy. If you kind of read in between the lines and, and hear what his teammates. And, and it was interesting to me at the parade when Clark Hunt talked about the defense. Now, maybe this is just about money, but he named three players on defense. Chris Jones, Nick Bolton, and Justin Reed. He said the defense led by those three guys. And I thought, huh. This organization thinks super highly of Justin. And 
talk about uh, establishing the tone. He was another guy who came out in the Super Bowl and just, I mean, he about murdered uh, Devonta Smith there. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a higher grade, uh, B minus. B minus, maybe. You're thinking the same thing? Yeah, I agree, man. B minus. It. Yeah. He wasn't elite. He wasn't the best safety in the NFL. But I think B minus is a a perfect example of what he was. He was better than average, mm-hmm. more than serviceable. Uh, he was a hard hitter. He, he missed a few tackles at times this year. Not going to be the best coverage linebacker, but the team trusts him. He's the leader in the secondary, right? That's that's kind of what his, especially safety. He, yeah, and Snead's kind of a quiet guy anyways, and I think Justin has more of that and you look at his brother, I think it just kind of runs in the family. They're, they're that kind of leadership trait. Yeah. And then I will also say with, with Brian Cook, I want to give him an incomplete, but I think I got to go with a. Oh, I don't know, man. Is he a B minus two? Yeah. Like, he looked good at times, but also he had a few plays where he had some bad penalties, mm-hmm. a couple of boneheaded plays. Uh, I don't want to take all of his special team stuff into the equation here because he wasn't necessarily drafted to be a special teamer. He's drafted to be a safety. But when he played safety, he looked good. He looked good. He's a hybrid dude who can play that linebacker safety position. He's versatile. He's fast. He can go up against tight ends. I'm really excited for the future for Brian Cook, but this past year I'll probably stick with a B-. minus. He's an unfinished product. But I think his his ceiling is Sorensen on steroids, which is kind of exciting. He had that huge tip that turned into a Joshua Williams interception in the AFC Championship. Uh, I'm with you, man. I, I can't give that kid. I thought in the limited playing time he had, similar to Leo Chanel, I just don't think he got on the field enough to really develop the way we would have liked to, to see him develop. But Juan Thornhill exits – Brian Cook's going to get his chance next year. So let's hope that this B minus turns into a, a B plus, maybe. Yeah. Maybe an A minus if we get really lucky. Uh, smart kid really brings the wood. I think he's going to be a fan favorite. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, want to give a little programming note. If you guys want to do us a favor and you guys like to bet, you can do us a huge favor if you go to Caesars, use promo, co- promo code ARROWFULL. Arrow, F-U-L-L, and on your first bet on Caesars, get up to $1,250. Minimum $10 wager required. Must register with eligible promo code, which again is Arrowfull. New customers only 21 plus and present in Kansas gambling problem. Call text 1-800-522-4700-KANDAS. See full terms at caesars.com slash sportsbook and casino or in the description below. Before we take you guys out, we have another new segment for you. And this is way back Wednesday. This is going to be fun. So this is a clip of Bernard Pollard from back in the day on Hard Knocks. How do you even describe this? He's like a jacked up safety, basically doing stripper dances. Check this out. Doing some twerking. And and here's the splits. I've never been able to do the splits in my life. 
So not only is that funny, it's, it's impressive for a guy. He wasn't a small defensive back. Sterling is speechless. You, you, never, <laughs> you never saw that before, did you? No, I was expecting Pac-Man Jones to come out of the uh, out of the crowd somewhere. Uh, I was I was just sh- shocked. It's, it's impressive. It's athletic, um, but no, I I have not seen that before. That that was it was, imp- it was impressive. That was something it was impressive. Yeah. Dwayne Bow, I think, almost had a, a stroke from laughing so hard. But uh, thinking back to Bernard Pollard, it was it was that moment, and it was uh, you know what he did. <laughs> What he did to, to Tom Brady, the bone crusher. I mean, you never like to see anybody get hurt, but uh, it was a big moment in the NFL. And I think that's probably what people remember about Bernard Pollard, but a pretty good athlete. Yeah. I, I have never seen you this speechless in the entire time we've worked together. This is amazing. This is amazing. Well, uh, I was just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not only depressing. did he knock Brady out for the year, he, he knocked the words out of your mouth. <laughs> Well, um, with that, guys, we will send you off. Uh, this has been another Wacky Wednesday for Sterling. I'm Adam. Go Chiefs. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.